Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message, which is brought to you by Pastor Todd Roberts. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. All right. Well, thank you for braving the rain this morning. Glad you're here because we are continuing a series that we have been doing over the last uh, several weeks called Learning to Love. And the whole point of this series is helping us learn how to love one another well. And so last week, we talked about the topic of forgiveness, because in order to love well, you've got to be able to forgive well, right? You know, you can't be in a relationship of any substance or any depth, at least not for any extended period of time, without having to regularly extend forgiveness to other people and without them having to extend forgiveness towards you. Forgiveness is essential if we're going to love one another well. And so last week, what we talked about was why we forgive. And this is, you know, such an important topic that we're we're spending a couple weeks on this idea, on looking at forgiveness. So last week, like I said, we talked about why we forgive. This week, we're going to talk about how we forgive. We're going to get really practical with what it means, what it actually looks like to genuinely forgive somebody. So let me start by asking you a question. Um, Have you ever tried to forgive someone and it just didn't seem to take? It it didn't seem to work. You know, you've maybe you've you've said, I forgive that person, or you've been in prayer and you've said, oh, I, I forgive that person, or maybe you've even told the person, I forgive you. And yet, deep down, you're still harboring anger fantasies towards them. You're still hoping that they will uh, uh, suddenly, their car will break down and they will go bald and gain 50 pounds, right? You, you know, you're secretly just kind of like hoping that they'll actually suffer for the way they made you suffer. Anybody ever had that experience before? Good, a number of you. Okay, so I'm not alone here. Uh, so, so what's going on there? You know, is it that forgiveness doesn't work? Is that the Bible is wrong in telling us to forgive, that actually forgiveness is, is really not that effective? Uh, or, or is it that maybe we don't understand what forgiveness is, and we don't understand what the process of forgiveness might actually look like? Uh, this week, one of my life group leaders was telling us, or one of our life group leaders was telling me about her life group, and she was saying that they were discussing the topic of forgiveness as a group, and one of the members of the group had a really, I think, wise observation. He was saying that, that, that many of us learn how to forgive as children. It's a pattern that we learn, you know, where, where somebody does something to, you know, let's just say Johnny hits Joe, and Joe's crying, and he's hurt, and, and so Johnny's made to apologize to Joe, and then Joe's made to say what? I forgive you, right? You know, and, that, and, that, and we learn this pattern as kids. And I confess, you know, I, I, Lauren and I, this is what we do with our kids. But I also have to confess, and if you've been a parent, you know this, those moments of, of forced repentance and por- forced forgiveness are not normally moments of deep contrition and remorse. I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? No, it's more like, I'm so sorry, but you deserved it, you know? And then, and then the I forgive you is like, I forgive you, or I'm going to get you later for this, you know? Like, there's, there's just gritted teeth, and, and it's really not all that effective, you know? And, and, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to teach a pattern, 
You know, we're trying to teach a pattern, but we're not engaging the heart. And I think for many of us, we learned how to forgive that that is still our paradigm. The, the pattern that we learned as kids is our paradigm for what forgiveness looks like. And what I want to propose is that we need to learn a new way of forgiveness, a new pattern of forgiveness that actually is more than just a pattern, but is something that engages the heart. Last week, we looked at Jesus's parable um, on the unforgiving servants. And we're not going to go back through the whole parable, but if you missed last week, you can go back, check it out online or on our podcast. But I just want to go back to the very last line. This is how Jesus concludes the whole parable. He tells us that we must forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I love that he includes that last phrase because what he's saying is that sort of superficial, shallow forgiveness that we learned as children, where we might say the words, I forgive you, but secretly we still want them to be ejected from the planet or suddenly reassigned to, uh, to 30 years on a research station in Antarctica. You know, we're just, you know, want them out of our lives. Like that kind of shallow forgiveness is no longer an option for us. Jesus is saying that we've got to forgive deeply from the heart. So how do we do that? Well, first, I think we need to get clear on what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. And I think we need to sort of unlearn, you know, there's the, the, the word forgiveness can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. And it, it's kind of a word that has a lot of baggage and weight to it. And I think if I went around and asked everybody, what do you think of when you think of forgiveness? I think we'd get a wide variety of answers. So I want to define what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And I think we need to start, though, with what it isn't, okay? So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. You know, you've heard that phrase, forgive and forget. I'm sure all of us have heard that at one point or another. And, and a lot of people say that comes from the Bible, but that actually doesn't come from the Bible. You will not find the phrase forgive and forget in the Bible. It's actually, and I think, I think what the idea here is that you know, you forgive somebody for what they've done to you so profoundly, so completely, that you forget about it. Now, that might be possible in, you know, minor things. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and makes a rude gesture at you. Somebody's rude to you in the shops. You can forgive that. It's a momentary thing. Most of us can move on. But when there's been deep hurt and deep offense and deep wounding, I don't think forgive and forget is really realistic. In fact, Forgiving is what's required when we can't forget. Like when we can't forget something, that's when we actually need to be able to forgive. So think about it this way. I compare the whole process of forgiveness to a wound. So when I was 18, I was out on a run in the mountains near our house, and I was running down a hill, and I was running really fast because gravity and stuff, and, and, I, and I tripped and fell and landed on a rock and gashed my arm open really good. I mean, it was a very impressive uh, cut, and it was kind of shocking to the other hikers that I passed. I was coming to get that blood everywhere. But God has created our bodies in this incredible way that they naturally heal. And so what was very painful at the moment and was like, you know, I didn't want anybody to touch it, and it was really painful, and uh, I think my mom helped me scrub it out later and all that. Even though that was really painful at the time, my body has healed it, and now I've just got a scar. And I see that scar, and I remember the, 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 the incident, but it doesn't hurt anymore. And I think what God is wanting to do through forgiveness is, you know, what happens is we get wounded, right? We, we get wounded and, and, it, and it hurts. And what God wants to do is he wants to heal that in such a way to where it doesn't hurt anymore, where, where there's maybe a scar, 
that you remember, yeah, that, that used to hurt, that, that incident with that person, I remember that hurting, but it doesn't hurt anymore. It's not an open wound anymore. It's not a sore that, you know, have you ever had those sores where they're maybe infected or they're just really raw and you just breathe on it and it just stings and you want to like jump out of the room, you know? God doesn't want you to live that way. And if we live in unforgiveness, that's what happens. It just keeps that wound infected and right. And the longer it goes, the worse it gets. And it begins to not just infect the wound, but it begins to infect your whole body. And what God wants to do when we forgive is that process of healing begins in, the, in our souls. And, he t- and that's the process of taking it from being a sore and an open wound to just a, a scar that remains. So you may remember what happened, but it doesn't hurt anymore. Does that make sense? So forgiving is not forgetting. Secondly, forgiving is not excusing. You know, we, we excuse a father for speeding through the roads when he's racing his expectant wife to the hospital if she's about to deliver. We, we excuse eight-year-old boys for making bodily noises all the time because they're eight-year-old boys, right? But, but we don't excuse bad behavior. We don't tolerate it or minimize bad behavior. We don't, we don't try to excuse it by saying, oh, well, it wasn't that big of a deal, or it didn't really matter, or they were just having a bad day. Or, and we definitely don't blame ourselves for what happened by saying, well, I probably deserved it anyway. See, forgiving isn't excusing. Forgiveness is what's required precisely when there is no good reason for what they did. Remember that quote from C.S. Lewis a couple of weeks ago, or I guess last week, it was God, or forgiveness is God forgiving the, or we forgive someone else uh, for doing the excusable because God has forgiven the excusable, unexcusable in us. I messed that up, but you know what I'm saying. That's <laughs> what happens when it's not in my notes here, but God has forgiven the inexcusable in us so we can forgive the inexcusable in others. There we go. That's it. So what, we're not excusing other people. Forgiveness is required when they've done something inexcusable. Another one is forgiveness isn't dependent upon an apology. You know, a lot of us, we're waiting to forgive someone. We're waiting until they come and apologize to us. And that's amazing when it happens. But in my experience, that's not very normal. That's not the usual thing that happens. It's great if you get that, but more often than not, you're going to have to forgive someone before you get an apology. And in many cases, you will never get an apology. So if we make our forgiveness dependent on somebody else's repentance, then we're not going to forgive. So forgiveness can happen. This is the beautiful thing about it. It can happen whether somebody's apologetic and repentant or not. It's not. Remember, forgiveness is not for, for their sake it's for yours. And that's a good thing, because otherwise our ability to follow the Lord's command to forgive as he has forgiven us would be dependent on their behavior. And they've already proved by their behavior they're not really the the most trustworthy, reliable person. So I I love that, that our ability to to forgive has nothing to do with how repentant the other party is. And I'm glad about that. So we can obey the Lord whether they're apologetic. We can forgive whether they're apologetic or not. Now, forgiveness is required for reconciliation. And that, that brings up the, the, the last thing I want to mention is forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. 
You know, people sometimes think that, that if you forgive somebody, we've got to reunite with them no matter what. You know, the, the wife has to move back in with the husband that's beating her, or the, the business partner has to take back his dishonest partner uh, as many times as he asks to, to, be, uh, to brought back, be brought back in. And forgiveness and reconciliation, though, they're, they're, they're two different things. You know, forgiveness is certainly the first step in healing a relationship, but it doesn't mean that the relationship is healed. You see, forgiveness is something that's required of us. God commands us to do it. It's not just an optional extra if you're feeling generous. We are commanded to forgive. But we are under, under no obligation to trust someone who's hurt you. Trust is not a right. Trust is a privilege. And so when a person repents and you're, you're seeking reconciliation, there needs to be a plan for how they're going to rebuild trust so that you can be fully reconciled. Because that's what's happened is when a relationship falls apart, trust has been broken. So there's got to be a way to build that back. So that's what forgiveness is not. But what is forgiveness? Let's look at the other side of it. Forgiveness is, well, it comes from the, the, the word that Jesus uses there when he says, forgive your brother and sister from the heart, is the Greek word aphiomi. And aphiomi means to wipe away, to remove, to let go, to release. And this is the primary word that the Bible uses for forgiveness all throughout the New Testament. Now, aphiomi is also a legal term, which I think is interesting, and it, it means this. It means to release from a debt or punishment to pardon. So if you wanted to boil all that down, I would say this. Forgiveness is to pardon the offender. Forgiveness is to pardon the offender. Now think about it, like a governor or a judge pardoning a criminal. What, is, what does that mean? It means that, that, that they don't forget that the crime happened. They don't excuse it or tolerate the behavior. They simply choose not to punish even though they could. That's what it means to pardon, right? And so when we say, forgive as the Lord forgave you, what we're saying is we're choosing to forgo our natural inclination to punish, to get vengeance, to get justice, to, to get back at the person that hurt us. We're, we're, we're pardoning them. We're letting them go. We're taking them off our hook. So we're, another way of saying this would be like, you know, Jesus told us that following him meant taking up our cross, denying ourselves and following him. And so we're crucifying our desire to get back at, him, at the person who's hurt us and we're choosing to, to forgive them, to, to release them, to pardon them. This is what we're instructed to do in the book of Romans. Paul, in Romans 12, he writes this. He says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. That's a quote from Deuteronomy. But what he's saying is that we, as followers of Jesus... We cannot take revenge. And this is hard for us. In our culture, we love vengeance stories, don't we? You know, there's so many TV shows and films about vengeance, and it's just natural for us. We love it when, when the bad guy gets their comeuppance, right? There's something about us that loves that. But as followers of Jesus, we can't do that. that this is not the way of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are not to seek revenge. We're not to seek um, uh, punishment and vindication. 
Instead, we're to leave that with God. We're literally to turn it over to the Lord and allow him to deal with it. So we're taking, when I forgive sometimes, I'll say, Lord, I take him off my hook and I put him on yours. It's up to you to deal with it. And that's such a good thing because God is just. The Bible describes him over and over again as just. And so we can trust him to judge rightly. You know, sometimes our perspective on a situation might not be 100% accurate. Have you, have you ever had that happen where you got really angry at somebody and then found out the rest of the story later and you realize, ooh, I may have jumped to conclusions there. You know, God can judge accurately. He knows what the real story is and he cares about your heart and he cares about that other person's heart as well. So this is such a, a, a release for us as believers. We don't have to right every wrong. You know, in the Old Testament, the rule was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So, so people would go out, and if, you know, somebody had you know, knocked your tooth out, I guess you would go and just knock their tooth out and say, all right, now we're even. And that was actually progress at the time, because in the, in, before that, it was, you know, uh, an eye for an eye, but it was really more like an eye for a life, or, something, or a life for an eye, or something like that. So if somebody knocked your tooth out, you'd go and knock all their teeth out, and it just kept escalating, and this cycle of revenge just kept happening, because revenge is an insatiable appetite. It's never fully and finally satisfied. But God, instead, he's telling us, hey, I want you to forego that natural desire to punish, that natural desire to get, get even. And I want you to just lay down that right and give it to me and trust me with that. You know, that person will one day have to answer to God for what they did. And I can find peace in that, that ultimately it's not my job to make them see or to make them pay. It's God's job to deal with them. And that's why forgiveness as believers, we can, we can just say, God, I give this to you. I trust this to you. My job is to extend forgiveness. Now, having said all that, still haven't really talked about how we change or how we, uh, how we, how we actually forgive. You know, we learn this pattern as kids. But how do we change that? And how do we do it differently so that it's actually more effective? It's not just this shallow, superficial forgiveness. Um, the first thing I want to say, though, before I talk into the actual mechanics of this, is I want to say forgiveness is a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. There's often layers to it. You know, it's like sometimes you need to forgive the more superficial things on the surface in order to get to the deeper layers. And sometimes it takes time. Things just begin to emerge. And, you know, we have, our souls are in a, a mystery. There's great depths to them in some ways. And so when you get hurt by somebody, those things can go really, really deep. And sometimes it can take years for all the, the baggage and the residue of that to surface and be totally released and forgiven. So it's a process. Last week, we talked about Peter asking Jesus, Lord, how many times do I forgive? And Jesus shocked him by saying 77 times. And, you know, I think we often read that and we think, okay, one person keeps doing different things a whole bunch of times and we're to keep forgiving them. But, but maybe what Jesus is also saying is when that thing keeps surfacing, that really hard thing that happened, then you just forgive again. And when the anger comes up again, you, you just keep forgiving. When the resentment surfaces in you, you just keep forgiving. That, that you just keep forgiving until it's done. So, how, so, so forgiving is a process. But what is that process? Well, the first one seems kind of obvious, but it's to admit the reality of the offense and choose to face it. 
admit the reality of the offense, and choose to face it. Now, I think for many of us, we can do, we can do anything. We'll do anything we can to avoid dealing with the unforgiveness in our heart. We'll minimize it. We'll, we'll just dismiss it. We'll ignore it. We'll try to pretend that it wasn't that big of a deal. I think a lot of us, we just put it off. You know, we think, oh, that really hurt, but we're just totally overwhelmed by it. We have no idea how to deal with it, so we just stuff it, and we just hope that time will take care of it. But there are some wounds that time cannot heal. And so we need to active, actually choose to go there. <laughs> we need to choose to, to actively go to that place or intentionally go to that place where there's pain in our heart, where we know there's unforgiveness, and, and allow the process of healing to begin. It's not going to just happen. You're not going to just feel like doing it. Remember, forgiveness is a choice of the will, so you've got to actually make the choice. And I think for, for some of us, you know, we need to set aside an evening or maybe a morning or, or a weekend or maybe go on a retreat and deal with it. You know, I take two or three personal retreats a year where I just go and meet with God for two or three days and it's become tradition for me to spend at least part of that time working through places of unforgiveness in my own heart. And sometimes we just need that space to really actually go there. And so I think what God wants us to do is actually admit, you know what, I, I, th that really hurt. That's a big step for some of you. A lot of us like to pretend, ah, it wasn't that big of a deal. But actually, it really did matter. It really did hurt. It really was wrong. And then choose to tell God how you feel about it. You know, God invites us to pour our hearts out to him. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll see that David does this over and over again, that so much of the Psalms is David pouring out his heart to the Lord. And there's some really disturbing passages in the Psalms that sound really vindictive. And you're like, oh my gosh, that doesn't sound like Jesus at all. But what's happening there, that, that's not like a prescription, by the way, of like, this is how you should treat your enemies. That's just David venting. <laughs> that's David really angry at his enemies and the way that they've hurt him and stolen from him and all these different things. And he's, and he's pouring out his heart to the Lord. So we're, we're given a great example in the Psalms of how to do that. And so God is inviting you to come to him and just lay it on him. Tell him everything. He can handle it. So get as raw and as honest and as real as you can. Tell him what happened. Tell him uh, how it made you feel. Tell him what you think of the person who did that to you and what kind of punishment you think they deserve. Just get it all off your chest. <laughs> Sometimes it might help. And if you're struggling to talk to somebody, maybe a trusted friend or a Christian counselor, somebody that can help you sort out the emotions, not as a way of, you know, you know uh, uh, gossiping or trying to get them angry at the same person you're angry at, but to help them, or to, to give them an opportunity to help you sort out your emotions. I often will write things down because if I've got a lot of emotion, it just helps make sense, it helps me make sense of what I'm feeling to actually write it out. Uh, you can write a letter to the person that you're angry at and just tell them everything that you're thinking, but just don't send it, you know. <laughs> um, I've done that before as well, and it's helpful. It's helpful to just kind of be able to say, this is, this is what's on my heart, write it all down. And then you got to make the choice to forgive. Make the choice to forgive. As I said, forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not something that you're going to 
feel like doing. In fact, if you really go there, you're going to feel all the emotions, all the trauma, all the anger. You're going to feel triggered in some ways, you know, as, as you go back into these places. And so you're not going to feel like forgiving. But forgiveness is an act of the will. Remember, feelings are great passengers, but they're never good drivers. <laughs> you want the will to be in the driver's seat. If it just, we're just allowing our feelings to lead us, then forgiveness becomes very difficult. And in our culture, feelings are king right now. <laughs> we often confuse our feelings with facts. But we've got to choose to set our feelings aside and make the choice of the will to do it. You know, last week I talked about the, the story of Corey Tinboom and her, her choice to forgive uh, one of her captors in a German concentration camp. And, and, you know, that might look like, you know, she, she made a choice. She talked about making the choice of the will to just stick out her hand and forgive this guy. And, you know, that might have looked like something that was instantaneous because she talked about it. Like, all of a sudden, I felt the grace of God, and I was able to forgive him. But remember, her ability to forgive him came from years of training her own soul to forgive people. She had, she had remember, she had lived in uh, the Netherlands, the, the Nazis had invaded, and she had, the, just the fact that she had gone back to Germany when this happened was in itself an act of forgiveness. I mean, can you imagine? You're growing up in your homeland, and all of a sudden this invading army comes in, they take over, they arrest your whole family, they murder your sister and your father. How would you feel towards those people? Corey had done deep work of forgiving in, the, in, the, in, those, in that, the years intervening, I think that story took place in 1947, so in the two or three years after the war, she was back in Germany as an act, acting as a minister of reconciliation, telling them about the gospel. And then she got put to the most extreme test in facing one of her former captors and being asked to forgive. So she had prepared herself for that moment without probably even realizing it by learning to forgive, choosing to forgive, and, and when she made that act of the will, God supplied the grace and the feeling that she needed. So it looked instantaneous, but there was a whole process that led to that moment. So we don't let our feelings dominate what we're doing. We make the choice to forgive. So let's just, let me give an example, a hypothetical situation. Let's say Johnny has borrowed my car and and he returns it to me trash. Like literally there's food and wrappers all over the car. There's a new dent that wasn't there before. The petrol tank is almost empty. And he gives it back to me and, and, and that's it. He just leaves, doesn't say anything and leaves. And I come out and I discover this about the car. Well, you know, I'd be furious if that happened. And so what does forgiveness look like? How do I make the choice to forgive? Well, first of all, like I, I start with that point of, you know, admitting the reality of the offense and choosing to face it. And, and what I forgot to say about this is, is it's not just what happened, it's the message that it conveyed to your heart. And it's not just that, it's also the cost that you now have to pay because of what happened, right? It's the messages that come along that, that say, you know, you're not valuable, you're not worth their time, you're not lovable, whatever the, the message is that they conveyed that's often what you got to get to to really be able to forgive. See, often we're trying to forgive the action, but really the thing that's got our hearts in a bind and unable to forgive is the message that, they, that, that we received from the action. So in this case, Johnny has trashed my car. And, and apologies, this isn't a real example if your name is Johnny. Um, 
but let's just say Johnny has trashed my car and now I've got to forgive. Well, how am I going to go about doing that? Well, I'm going to first go back to, back to uh, what's happened, and I'm going to try to figure out what are the messages that were conveyed by this trashing of my car. You know, there's the, just the lack of gratitude, the devaluing, I would feel used, and then there's the cost that I've got to pay. You know, the, the cost of, of having my car cleaned and repaired and all the hassle that's involved in that. Those are the things that I've got to actually bring to the Lord in forgiveness. So I'm going to start by saying, Father God, thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Because this is where forgive, this is why we forgive. Remember, we forgive as the Lord forgave us. So Lord, thank you for forgiving me all my sins. Because of your forgiveness, I also choose to forgive Johnny. I forgive him for trashing my car, for damaging it, for bringing it back with no petrol, getting really specific. And I also forgive him for all the time, money, and hassle this is going to cost me. I forgive him for the lack of respect and consideration and the ingratitude that he showed. I forgive him for making me feel used and disrespected. But now I choose to give up the right to vengeance. The cross is enough. It is sufficient. I choose not to get even. I take him off my hook. I put him on yours. I leave this matter in your hands, Father. Instead, I bless Johnny. I bless him. I bless his walk with you. I bless his family. I bless his finances. I bless his business. Bless him. And on it goes. So it's very specific. And it's, it, it, now, in reality, when I'm working through something where my heart has actually been wounded, it's going to take me longer. And there might be some tears. And there might be some... some, some expression of anger and, uh, uh, and, and frustration about the whole situation, but that's the general pattern that I'm going through. That's what's required to forgive from the heart. Now, at the end there, I, I started blessing the person who'd hurt me. Why, why do I do that? Well, if I go back to the, pad, the, the passage in Romans that we were looking at, where he was saying, don't take revenge, it actually carries on. The, the, the next verse says this. He says, instead... If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. See, um, Paul's quoting from Proverbs 25 there, and he's saying instead of doing the natural thing of seeking vengeance, we've got to actually do the opposite, respond in the opposite spirit and seek to bless somebody that's hurt you, seek to help them if they're in trouble, seek to overcome their evil with good. I love that last phrase there, conquer evil by doing good. We can conquer evil by doing good. Have you ever thought about it that way? That rather than responding in kind, you know, if they've hurt you, I'm going to hurt them, we actually conquer the evil that they perpetuated against us by turning around and doing good. Now, I call this opening a window of grace, and I think that's an essential step. In, in all my research about, about forgiveness, I keep seeing this come up over and over again. It's phrased different ways, but the idea is that we take a step of grace towards them. We, we, some, we posture ourselves towards reconciliation. That may not happen because reconciliation requires two people, but we posture ourselves towards it. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're hoping for. We're asking God to do a miracle to, to reconcile a broken relationship. Now, I need to pause here and just say something because you're probably all thinking it anyway. What I'm not saying is that you need to go back and put yourself in the path of an abusive person again. 
You do not need, there are devastating situations, and it is appropriate at times to have boundaries. So please don't hear me saying that you've got to go back and put yourself in the path of an unrepentant, um, un, uh, you know, a person that hasn't been changed. Forgiveness is not naive. Um, you don't just allow that you put yourself back in a position where you can be hurt over and over again. But what I am saying is that we can have a heart towards, we can begin to pray for them. We can begin to, we, our heart towards them, while we may not put ourselves at their mercy again, we can open a window of grace for them by forgiving them, by praying for them, by asking God to intervene in their lives for, to, for him to do a miracle. So I'm not saying you need to go back, you know, the, the, the wife needs to go back and live with her abusive husband if he's not changed, if there's no repentance in his heart. But I am saying we can always open a, a window of grace towards those who have hurt us, even if we have to keep some boundaries up. But most of the time, that's not the situation. We're not dealing with psychopaths and abusers. We're dealing with normal people who've made mistakes, and those mistakes can really hurt. But we can still, uh, but we can still start to move back towards reconciliation with them. And there's a couple ways that I want to suggest that we can do this. We can open a window of grace by praying for them. You know, we can start to pray for the person. You know, like we can, as I, as I did in the, in the example, you know, we just begin to pray that God would bless them. I heard a story from uh, the author John Bevere, and when he was a young man, he had been really mistreated by his boss, who happened to be the pastor of the church where he worked. And so he was really upset about that, and he could just feel the, the anger and the resentment growing in him and, and building and building in him. And finally, he was like, God, what, what do I do? I know this isn't right. How do I forgive him? And he felt like God said to him, I want you to pray for this man. And John didn't really like that answer, but he said, all right, I'll do it. I'll, I'll pray for him. And every day he was faithful to pray for him. Something like, Lord, bless that man. Amen. <laughs> every day for like weeks, he was praying, bless that Lord. Amen. And bless that man, Lord. Amen. And that was it. And he noticed that uh, absolutely nothing was changing in his heart. And so he went back to the Lord eventually and said, Lord, I think you need to give me a different plan because this plan isn't working. And he felt like God said to him, son, no, you've got to pray for him like you would pray for yourself. And so he changed how he was praying. And whenever that anger and that resentment would surface in him, he would begin to pray, Lord, Lord, bless him. Bless that, bless that man. Bless him prosper him, bless his marriage, bless his family, may his kids flourish, grant him favor in the community. Lord, grant him success in his ministry, grant him favor in all that he puts his hand to. Lord, I pray that you would, you would fill him with your spirit, that he would have fresh encounters with your love today. God, would you meet with him? Would you strengthen him? Would you make him uh, healthy, make his wife healthy, pour out your spirit on him, Lord? And he would cry out to, him, to the Lord for like five minutes. And then that sort of anger and bitterness would recede a little bit, and he'd stop, and he'd move on, and then when it would come up again, he'd take another five minutes to pray blessing over him. And what he found was, over time, something shifted in him, and he began to have compassion for this man. He began to see this man the way God saw him, and, and the, the bitterness and the anger that was in his heart melted away. See, for John, the battle for forgiveness was won in his prayer closet. But another thing that I want to suggest is simply reaching out to them. We forgive by, or we open a window of grace by reaching out to the people that have hurt us. Again, I'm not talking about abusive people. We'll talk about that later in this series. How do you love an evil person? 
But I think of Corrie Ten You know, what did she do? Her, her former captor at the concentration camp comes to her and sticks out his hands and says, will you forgive me? And she's just not feeling it at all. She, her hands are by her side. She said, my arm felt wooden. I couldn't do it. And then she makes the decision of the will to literally reach out and shake his hand. In so doing, the grace of God was able to just be poured out on her and she was able to forgive. So I want to encourage you, if somebody has wounded you, <laughs> I want to encourage you to take the first step back towards them. And that can look different in different situations. Maybe it's walking across the room and just having a normal conversation with them. Or maybe it's writing them a, a text or an email and just saying, hey, can we, can we get together? Can we have coffee? And it might be something where you, you talk about what's happened, or it might not be. It might not help the person uh, when you, for you to say, hey, I, I've forgiven you of that thing that you did. Sometimes that helps, and a lot of times it doesn't help. <laughs> so you just have to discern what's best. You know, for me, I've, I've had times when I've been asking God, well, I've had some really tough situations, and I've been asking God, how do I open a window of grace towards these people? And there was no obvious answer for that. And then I heard that uh, this person was not doing well. His health was really struggling. And I thought, oh, this is my opportunity. And so I, I wrote an email, and I said, hey, not, not an email of like, ha ha, yeah, yeah, now, now you're suffering, huh? Now you regret what you did. No, not like that. It's not a vindictive letter, not gloating over their suffering. Instead, I wrote, I just said, listen, I heard that, um, that you're struggling with your health, and I am so, so sorry. I, I care about you, and I am praying for you to get better. Just a really simple note. And I wasn't sure how it would be received. But a few months later, I got a response, and it was actually really, really gracious. And it began the process of thawing a really broken relationship and healing my own heart. I'm so glad I chose to open that window of grace and be looking for that opportunity because when it came, it actually led to my own healing and freedom. So opening a window of grace. I think it's essential in the process of forgiveness. So we forgive by admitting something has hurt us, by choosing to face the pain. We make the choice to forgive them and let them off the hook, and then we look for opportunities to open the window of grace to them. That is the process of forgiveness. Now, the last thing I want to say is how do we know when we've forgiven? Like, you know, we can still be feeling lots of pain. We could still be feeling angry. That doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't forgiven. It just means that the process maybe isn't complete yet. So don't let the enemy, like, accuse you. If you're still struggling, you've maybe gone through that process, and you find you have to revisit it again some months later, the enemy will try to accuse you and say, ah, actually, you're not a forgiving person, or that didn't count, that didn't work before. No, it's just a process. If there's been deep wounding, it is going to require revisiting oftentimes. But how do you know when you've forgiven? Well, I know I've forgiven when, I, <laughs> when that person is no longer living in my head rent-free. You know what I mean? When I'm not having imaginary arguments with them, and uh, <laughs> uh, when I'm not ruminating on what they did to me, and how I wish I'd have said this, and I should have done that, or, or fa having anger fantasies about how I'm wishing destruction upon their lives, when that settles down, I can assume at that point that forgiveness has actually happened. That, that um, they're, you know, when somebody mentions them, their name, I don't want to just kind of internally, you know, something in me is wanting to say, oh yeah, but that person did this, and you know, that none of that, all of it's gone. And instead, I know I've forgiven if I actually have compassion for this person. 
if I can feel what the Lord feels for them, maybe see them as the Lord sees them. I know that I've forgiven when I actually want the best for them. I, I, I genuinely want them to prosper. And those things don't happen overnight. You know, it's, it's like I said, forgiveness is a process. It's kind of like snow, you know, when, when, you, when you watch snow melt, it doesn't happen uh, very quickly most of the time. If you get a lot of snow, it just happens a few inches every day. It gets lower and lower until finally you realize the snow is gone. And it's the same with forgiveness. It happens a little bit at a time. And pretty soon you find, you know, I, I, care, I care about that person. I have compassion for that person. And that, that compassion is so important. That's what helps activate the forgiveness. I, I actually want the best for that person. I genuinely, I don't want them to be, I don't want them to, to be destroyed or to struggle. I want them to be blessed. I want them to prosper. That's when you know that forgiveness has taken root in your hearts. So today I want to close by just challenging you to not just mail in your forgiveness, to not go back to that kind of childish pattern of forgiving where we, we just say, I forgive you, but actually there's no transformation. I want to challenge you to do what Jesus told us to do, which is forgive from the heart. And for many of you, that's going to mean not putting this off anymore. It's going to mean setting aside some time. Maybe it's an evening. Maybe it's a morning. Maybe it's a weekend. Maybe it's a retreat. You might need to even tell somebody that you trust, like, hey, I've got forgiveness I need to work through. Can you hold me accountable so that I actually do it? We often want to hide this away. But if we do that, we can't begin the process of healing. When we actually intentionally go there and invite Jesus into this situation and choose to forgive, God can begin, begins to heal that wound and cleanse it of the infection that it's caused so that one day it's a scar and not an open wound that, that nobody can get near without you jumping a mile high. That's God's desire for you. But it's not going to just happen. So my challenge for you is to actually think, well, okay, when can I do this? Who do I need to forgive? And when am I going to do it? And that's going to require some intentionality on your part. But, oh, I mean, I could just go on and on. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. And who knows? There might even be reconciliation at the end of all of this. I know it might look impossible right now, but, but if you've ever been reconciled to somebody that you were once separate, you know, divided from, it's an amazing thing. It is amazing how God can heal and restore relationships. And sometimes they can be better than they ever were before. So let's not be passive about this. For many of you, unforgiveness, it's understandable. If you came up here and you told your story, we would all agree that that is horrible, that was wrong, and it should never have happened. It's inexcusable. And your, your unforgiveness is justified. But Jesus is wanting to set you free from that. He's wanting to take you out of the pain of the past and bring you into the freedom that he paid for on the cross. Amen? All right, let's stand, and we're going to close in worship. Let me pray for you as we do so. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the great forgiver, that we're not alone in this. Lord, I thank you that your spirit dwells within us, and we have all we need to be able to forgive. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to stop putting it off, stop making excuses, 
Stop stuffing it down. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to make the choice to forgive. Help us to do the hard work of forgiveness that it requires. And Lord, I pray, though, that in doing so, we would experience the freedom that you intend for us to have. Lord, I pray for every person that's right now just thinking, there's no way I can do it. There's no way I can forgive. It's just too much. Lord, would you come and would you take them by the hand and help them take that first small step towards forgiveness, to begin to let go of some of the, the resentment and the anger and the bitterness that has been created in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would set us free and everywhere that the enemy wants to hold us captive here. Holy Spirit, we just cut, ask that you come and you would cut off every assignment against this, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would experience the freedom of having a clean heart, the freedom of not being bitter, the freedom of not being wounded all the time, the freedom of not being angry and, and resentful. Lord, I pray, God, for freedom over my brothers and sisters this morning, for all who are listening today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.